Stop what you're doing and please listen. Whether you're a parent, student, teacher, or just someone who cares about other people, this episode of the Daddy Duty 365 podcast with rap sensation Paul Wall could save someone's life. I'm like, damn, does the DNA continue? Do I got that in me? Do my kids got that in them? You know, I'm wondering these things like, but it's something I, I, I struggle with. It's a difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about, but you must listen and spread the message. This is probably Paul Wall's most transparent, intimate, and most heartfelt interview that he's ever done. And I had no idea the turn this interview was about to take. Hey everybody, welcome to Daddy Duty 365, the show where celebrity dads reveal the good, the bad, and the funny of fatherhood. And I'm joined by a very special guest. He's known around the world, Paul Wall in the building. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. A lot of people know you as this huge rap artist, music artist, producer, you're doing a little bit of everything, but a lot of people also don't know the side of you that is uh, an amazing father. So go ahead and start off with the kid roll call, which is the ages, the genders, and the names of the kids. Yeah, first shout out to my wife, Crystal, Chris Wall. Uh, you know, my son, he came first, he's 14, he just turned 14 uh, through quarantine on April 18th. My son, Will, and my daughter, Noel, she's 12. She is. So both of them, they uh, are, are definitely ready to go back to school, ready to hang out with their friends. They tired of this quarantine, you know what I'm saying? They definitely <laughs> tired of doing online school. They want to get back to regular school, playing with their friends, but it is what it is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a different world for us right now. So outside of quarantine, what would you say is the best part of being a father for you? Just being able to spend time with my kids, just, you know, it's something I prayed for, I, I look forward to my whole life was having a family. You know, coming from a broken home, it was just something that, you know, uh, it was something I dreamed of. Like, man, one day I just want to have a family. I want to have a family. And it's something I always look forward to. That, that might be why I take it so serious now, but it's also, you know, why I'm so happy now, just because I got what I prayed for and asked for my whole life. I got a family. So it's a beautiful thing, man, for sure. Well, it's also a beautiful thing to hear you say that and talk about it as a rap artist, because, you know, a lot of people be like, all they want to, you know, talk about is women and side chicks and all this and that. But it's nice to see you approach it in a different aspect of that. So I want to yeah. back up a little bit and talk about your childhood. And you say you came from a broken family. What do you mean by a broken family? What was it like being raised? And did you have a father figure? My father figure was uh, something I've dealt with my whole life even to now struggle with coping with my father figure was a pedophile he was a child molester when uh, he was a drug addict when i was about six years old he left me and my uh, my whole family i haven't really seen him since then uh, but uh at a, a a young age when i would go see him on the weekends you know uh for uh, visitation rights you know later on come to find out his girlfriend who would be there the whole time was you know, I'm a five-year-old kid. I don't know. But at the time, his, you know, the girlfriend he had was a, a 13-year-old girl who he ended up kidnapping, taking to Canada. And then they ended up getting getting caught or something. And they came back. This girl ended up killing herself, committing suicide. So he's a, you know, a serial uh, predator when it comes to children. You know what I'm saying? So that's something that I've struggled dealing with. That's why I'm a part of organizations like Parents Against Predators, things like that. It's something that's very important to me, just uh, spreading that message of children's rights, especially when it comes to sexual predators. So, you know, that also he, he was a, a drug addict. He was addicted to heroin, uh, as well as a lot of other drugs. So it's something that, you know, that's something else. I was scared to 
drink alcohol or anything. I was, you know, I didn't drink alcohol even when I was 21 up till I was maybe, I don't know, a little older, you know what I'm saying? Just cause I was always afraid that, that it would turn into an uncontrollable habit for me. Mm-hmm. It's also something I grew up going into, going to uh, Al-Anon, Alateen, those type of things, you know, where you're the, the family of a, a alcoholic, you know, you're a family member of an alcoholic. So those were just things I grew up with, dealing with. Um, but at the same time, my mother, she, you know, we were blessed to leave us. She was blessed to escape us from that situation with, with my biological father. She remarried, my stepdad adopted us. So it was, uh, you know, it was, I was able to also see the benefits of how a, a, a man should parent or, or be a father. And it really, it really had a, a lasting impression on me because it's something that I, I saw the importance of that. And I don't know, I just, I always wanted a family. I always wanted to be a father. I always wanted to have a, a, a son, a daughter that I would have as my own that I could, you know, do right by them. You know, the way I, I wasn't done right by, by my father, but it's something that, you know, it's a, a, a a, a great burden to live with too as well knowing that you know like damn I'm, man my dad is a my biological father is a, a child molester and he's out there living in the free world doing you know what if he's molesting somebody right now like you know and part of me is like I don't ever want to see him in my whole life I have no type of relationship with him at all because he's a sick person but at the same time I feel like a sense of damn am I supposed to be out there you know speaking up because what if he's hurting somebody right now you know and I, I could stop this but I don't even know I haven't seen him since I was six years old I don't even know what it looked like I don't know where he live I don't I don't know if he changed his name I don't know none of these things so you know but I do know he's a serial predator and I don't want him nowhere near around my kids you know what I'm saying so uh but I mean it, it is what it is you know just be it's something too that you struggle with dealing with where uh you know also my mother she was molested uh, so it's something where you like, I'm like, damn, both of my parents and my fa- my biological dad, he was molested and then turned into a, 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 a predator. And my mother, she was molested. Uh, so it's something where I'm like, damn, does the DNA continue? Do I got that in me? Do my kids got that in them? You know, I'm wondering these things like, but it's something I, I, I struggle with, you know, and I, I definitely am open with my family about this with my kids and telling them, you know, if anything happens, speak up, you know, these things shouldn't happen. And, you know, the, the type of the, the type of cases and situations that people DM me for help with, you know, they come across something on the internet or they know somebody who they think this or that, you know, when you, when, when we deal with an organization like Parents Against Predators, uh, shout out to Miss Sonia Parker who founded it. It's just an organization where we speak up for children's rights. We speak up for lost, abused, hurt, and murdered children. So when we get some type of messages certain times, in DMs or people approach us, it's heartbreaking, you know, to hear these type of stories that happen to kids and to, you know, there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a motivation on me to try to, to, to help them in it, however, anywhere I can, you know? Well, the fact that you're speaking out about it is a huge help to a lot of people. Just, I think so many people are afraid of the stigma attached to it, that they don't want to say anything about it. They don't want to speak up, whether it's happening now to them or it happened 30 years right. ago. So I think your voice is helping a lot of people through the struggles they are going through. And I think it's important to have someone like you shine a light to what's really going on out there, because I think a lot of people are oblivious to it. And a lot of people don't realize that most people are molested by people that are in their family or people that they know. So what else can you tell other parents out there, maybe signs to look out for, things to know about this that's going on in our country? 
first of all, none of us want this to happen to our kids. So it's easy for us to sweep it under the rug or if we ask our kids and they say, no, nothing happened, it's, it's easy to accept that, although the warning signs might be in front of us. One, you got to constantly talk to your kids. And it, like you said, it could be anybody. Usually it is somebody who is a family member or a close friend. Usually it's not a perfect stranger. So that's something we got to be aware of that it could be, my, my mother was molested by both of her grandparents and one of her uncles and her neighbors down the street. So this is something that I've always, okay, well, I got to watch my kids around my parents. You know, and my, and my mom tells me that, like, don't be watch out for everybody because you never know who it is. And it's a trust issue when you grow up in a family that you're taught to trust. You're taught to have each other's back to stick together as a family unit like a lot of families do. Even though a lot of families might be broken up, sometimes the unity kind of holds us together. You know what I'm saying? Even though it might be calamity and catastrophe all over, the, the us sticking together is what gets us through it. So sometimes that can be a, a, a mechanism of, sweeping it uh, looking the other way because you don't want it to happen you know you so you accept whatever it answer but it's you got to be uh vigilant and open talking to your kids about all of this you have to always watch whoever they go with at all times you know and some of that means you ain't gonna be able to go out on the weekend if you can't get a certain babysitter that you really trust you know and even then you got to think about the babysitters you're leaving your kids with you know it's 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 just a it's it's very it's terrifying you know because you never you don't you don't know exactly who to trust you know you you have some people who put like nanny cameras in their house things like that to try to catch the watch over and you know, all you can do is hope but the best thing i can say is just that good communication with your kids so that they feel comfortable another thing is don't overreact because if you if your kids tells you something and you completely overreact you got to realize it's going to affect how they tell you the next thing or how they tell you the complete story. Because one, they don't want to be embarrassed by this. Also, a lot of times when this happens to you, you feel like it's your fault. You're, you, the blame and the onus is put on you. The predator does that as well as society. They make you think, oh, you asked for it. You wanted it. It's not my fault. You're the one who came to me with this. And it's, it's very sad to think that a child, a young child who's already going through so many adolescent, you know, things you got to deal with growing up and then to deal with some type of sexual predator. And then on top of that, being taught that it's your fault that this happened to you. And then growing up with that your whole entire life, thinking that this is your fault and feeling empty inside, you know, cause when it ha it's like a part of your soul is removed from you for your entire, for your, your whole being. Sometimes some people, some, sometimes you meet people who just happened to them, and they've never been right since it happened their whole life. And it's maybe 50 years later. Uh, you know, a lot of people are able to overcome it, get past it, uh, or deal with it and cope with it however they can. But some people don't. And even for the ones that do, it's still, it's sad to see. It, it hurts your soul. It touches you when you see this. And, you know, it should not be happening in society, especially when you see that a lot of the predators have been preyed themselves at one time. Most predators who are, are child predators at one point in their life, they themselves have been molested. 
Yeah, I mean, that's some good points you're making, especially the communication aspect. That's why I always try to tell my kids, you'll never get in trouble. If you tell me about someone touching you, you're not going to get in trouble. It's not your fault. Just have that communication with me to let me know so I can protect you and keep you safe. And I said, don't worry, they won't hurt mommy. You know, I try to beat them to the punch of all the things we think a molester would try to tell them. I'm going to kill your mommy and daddy if you tell them. I'm going to hurt you if you tell them. I'm like, so I try to beat them. We'll be okay. You'll be okay. We'll be safe. You know? and try to beat them to that. So at what age should people start having this kid, this talk with their kids? Hey, as soon as your child born, as soon as my child born, I'm talking to my kids about this, you know. And another, I mean, but for real, I mean, because as soon as you start teaching your kids, you know, kids how to potty train, you know, whatever, as soon as they, they're aware of having a private part, this is your private area, it should be taught. No one should touch this. I remember teaching this to my kids and then bringing my son to the doctor or something. Maybe it was my daughter. Maybe it was both of them, matter of fact. And they had to have some kind of physical or something where, and they either had to be, I don't know, touched or something, you know, and they're like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I can't remember what it was. It was something, something very minor. And it wasn't like, you know, the doctor was touching they, they privates, but it was, you know, something, you know, it, you know, it's one of those things though where, they should always question that. Anybody yeah. ever look at or touch your private part, question it. Wonder who, man, who is this? Why are they doing this? You know, is this appropriate? They should always question it. Another thing that should be taught and should be uh, uh, put out there is that I teach my kids to have these conversations with other kids. Because oh. everybody's parent is not having this conversation with them. So a lot of kids don't know this. So sometimes it's on the kids to spread the information. You know, so... And, and this is something I want my kids to know. Hey, if one of your friends, if anything ever happens, because they need, they can be the counselor for their friend as well. Hey, if this happens to one of your friends, it happens to you, it's not their fault. It's important you encourage them to go to the authorities, to the police, to a teacher. And, you know, we, we don't realize a lot of times that there are hotlines in place where you can call. We don't, I don't know the number by heart, but you Google it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You can tell your teachers. The teacher might not know about heart, but they know where to find it. You know what I'm saying? Tell the teacher, tell you know, a supervisor tells somebody you trust, you know, and, and let them know because, you know, as, as many, as much as there are people out there who are quick to turn the other cheek and don't want to help or acknowledge any of this, there just as much are people who want to help. Yeah. And I also think it's important for people to realize that sometimes it's other kids that are the molesters or other kids getting the kids to go to the molester's house. So they're being drawn in by people who are being molested and want them to get other people so they can be molested right. also. So I think it's important for people to also teach their kids about that. Like you said, nobody, whether it's a doctor or another kid your age or an adult should be touching or looking at your privates. Right, right. You know, the, the the old, you show me yours, I'll show you mine, little kids. Oh, they so cute. Nah, all them days is over. You know, it got to be tired. Nah, it's a, you know, this is an age of consent. You know what I'm saying? So it ain't no, you show me yours, I'll show you mine, and we children, or none of that. Nah, it's a, you, we got to teach your kids that, you know, it's a, that's another thing is that, you know, like, as parents, when, you know, your son likes a girl, oh, you got a girlfriend, you know, your daughter looking so cute and she got a crush on, oh, she's so cute, she got a crush on all that, you know, but what we're pouring and pushing and forcing on them at a young age is romantic relationships where, you know, that's why they have puppy love and they're in kindergarten and they're, I love you and stuff like, man, I, I've been telling my kids from day one, you cannot have a boyfriend or girlfriend until you in high school at least. 
So it ain't, you know, because you, you're growing. You shouldn't, you know, I, I understand being at that age. I didn't have a girlfriend. I was fine. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend because ain't no girls like me. You know, because I didn't like no girls. Ain't no girls like they me. like you now. Look. <laughs> but I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to teach my kids, that, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, to, to grow up first. And then when you're ready, when you're ready, then, you know, come to approach that, like a love life or whatever. Even then, you know, this is something my kids see firsthand. My wife is my best friend. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will be somebody they look to when they look to a companion. It's not just romance or sexual gratification. It's a partner. It's a best friend. It's somebody that you love and want to spend the rest of your life with. Not just somebody who, when you're horny, hey, come here, you know. Yeah. Well, okay, now you saying those things to your kids, but how receptive are they to that whole not date to your high school thing, love dove thing? Because you still have all these pressures outside of your communication with your kids that they're receiving from the world, from the internet. And it's like, they're dealing with things we never even had to think of as kids. Yeah. Another thing is, I don't let either one, either one of my kids have social media. And, um, you know, being in my son's 14, it's a little tougher for him. You know, my daughter's 12, you know, eighth grade, sixth grade. You know, as soon as it's about to be summertime, my son about to be in the ninth grade. So, you know, it's, it's a little tough not to have a social media when you're in the ninth grade. But the world is just so cruel with the trolls and with everything. And I, I just don't want my son to deal with that. And if it's anything, even I post a picture of my son saying, congratulations, you won an award. Congratulations, you did this and that, you know, and then it's just people just looking for negative attention and they'll just come after you and just talk trash to you. And it's funny. It's a joke to them, but to other people, it, it'll, it tears you down. And, you know, I, I've been, I was bullied growing up. So I know what it feels like, you know, I wasn't social media bullied. I was physically bullied, you know? Uh, so it's a little bit different, but it, the, the, the mental aspect of it, of uh, the verbal abuse you receive when you click on the page and you see all these strangers that hate you and are telling negative mean things to you, you know, although it is just a random person who, you know, don't have a life sometimes, sometimes they're me and you. Cause we know, we all know people who get a kick out of trolling people. So it's not always just, you know, the, the old guy who's living in his mom's basement who don't have a girlfriend, you know, that's not necessarily what a troll is. Trolls are me and you, you know, like when we're bored, we get on that top trash to people and get a kick out of it. Everybody does it, you know, it, while, while me and you might not do it, the majority of the public, most, a lot of people do this. They get a kick out of, and they pick and choose who is okay for them to make fun of. I don't like her because she said something about somebody and she cheated on her boyfriend. This is the person on Real Housewives, so I don't like her because of that. So it's okay for me to go after her. Oh, I don't like him because he said this about this girl, his ex-girlfriend. I don't like him because so it's okay for me to go after. So we rationalize it in our own right of who it's okay for us to go after and what it's okay for us to say, how bad. But at the end of the day, it's all bringing us down. Yeah. And a lot of people are good at bringing each other down. And, you know, besides being bullied when you were a kid and you were going through having, you know, you know, molesters around you, did anyone ever touch you besides the, you know, physical abuse no thank god i wouldn't uh you know i, I didn't have to, to deal with that or go through that um but you know it is it, there's plenty of kids out there that do that's something that i think of during quarantine man i think of the kids out there that are in abusive relationships at home um whether it be physical or sexual or verbal or any type of abuse and where they would normally go to school to get away and escape now 
it's a, you know, they're trapped at home and they potentially could be with a, a parent who's alcoholic and all they're doing is sitting around getting drunk and beating on them. Or they potentially could be around with somebody who has mental problems or, you know, uh, problems from their childhood that affected how they raised you and you just trapped with them right now. So yeah. it's something well, to be aware of. What advice do you have if there are any young people out there or older people that are currently being molested or have been molested? What advice do you have for them to, one, escape that situation and then, two, get help mentally for what they've been through? One, I think one thing we can do is be open and receptive when we hear or see these type of stories, not jump to conclusions, not victim blame, not trash people, not talk, you know, those type of things. We as a society can be more receptive so that when people come out, they feel more open because there is a stigma put on people when they come out or when they talk about these type of things or acknowledge that it happened to them. No one wants to acknowledge those things happen to them because then on the other side of it, if you say something happened to you, then me, I might be like, oh, that's why he acts like this and does that. You know, you kind of put these two and two together sometimes to equal five when it might not necessarily equal five, uh, you know, but so a lot of people don't like really coming out with it, but I think one is we as a society can be more open, but also we got to encourage people to speak up. We got to hold these uh, uh, predators accountable, you know, and uh, there's statute of limitations on these type of things, you know, and People need to be held, like for instance, my biological father, he's not a registered sex offender, although he's a serial predator. Uh, and that's because these laws weren't put into place when he was doing these type of things. And a lot of people have never held him accountable for what he's done. That's why part of it is me. I, I, I gotta speak out on it, because although I don't wanna see him or any of these type of, have any type of relationship with him, I gotta at least hold him accountable on my end, being his offspring, you know what I'm saying? So. You know, that's one thing we got to hold these people accountable. So, you know, we got to encourage people to go to whoever the authorities might be. Also, a lot of times we see people who don't believe. And when, if it happens to me and I tell you and you don't believe me or you downplay it or any, you, you stand up for the person, that sends a, a, such a troubling message. So we got to sometimes encourage people who've been hurt like this to take another swing at the back. If they tell you no, man, go to somebody else. Cause like I say, there are a lot of people out there who don't care and they will turn the other way. And there are also a lot of people who do, who will help you, will do the right thing, who do what they're supposed to do, their job, what they're supposed to what they're getting paid to do by the government a lot of times, uh, you know, they will help you. So if somebody tells you no or slams the door into your face because you telling them somebody have molested you or whatever, no matter who it is, go to somebody else, find somebody who will help you. That's such an important message not to let other people silence you and keep letting your voice be heard to let to get the help that you need. I know it's scary for a lot of people because they're afraid of what could happen to them if no one helps them and they go back to that house so that person finds out. So that's why it's important to make sure they tell the right person or as many people so people know what's going on. And they can even go down to local police stations and fire stations and let them know. And especially if they're at school and they let the principal know, they're going to make sure that, that kid is protected and sends child services to their homes as well to protect them, right? The other thing is this. In this day and age, although a lot of the people who do the crime aren't held accountable, the authorities are. So this is the thing. What I'm saying is if you go to the authorities and they fail to act, guess what? You can sue them later on. And those type of, now I'm not saying that like, oh, I can get money out of it. Yay, cool. I got molested, now I'm getting paid. No, but I'm saying that is the motivating factor for the authorities to act on your behalf. 
that they could get sued down the line. They don't want to get sued, so they gonna act on your behalf and speak up. So that's you know, that's I'm just saying that that's that's like that's how we hold some of these people accountable. Whether it be your principal, if you go to your principal and they don't do nothing, I don't know. We saw the uh, the, the trials of Gabriel on Netflix, but you see a lot of those people, his teachers, a lot of his teachers did go to the authorities, and the ones who didn't do anything, they got charged with uh, manslaughter or whatever they got charged with. You know, so uh, it, it it's a uh, if people will get you can get not only sued but charged with a crime if a like if, if a child if you go to the authorities and then the child ends up dying the, if the authorities fail to act then they can be held responsible hmm. for your for the child's death so that's what i'm saying so it, it's a day and age of accountability and spreading information of these type of things so we just got to put the messaging out there to to the victims to speak up to speak up and not just tell one person Tell whoever will listen to you. It's not your fire and the stigma, because when you say something, then all eyes turn on you. Uh, it's like a, what happened? And it's like a, a, a scandalous type of thing. Oh, what happened? It's like messy and gossipy. But all of that, you know, no, nah, man, it shouldn't be that. It should be a, yeah, you should be empowered to tell your story, but not made to be like a circus act or, you know, a, a, a fish in a fish tank, you know, like, now nah, the people who are doing this, those are the ones who need to be put on a, you know, in the petri dish and you know, uh, uh, you know, and and dissected, not the victims. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, again, great points. I'm glad you're bringing that up and uh, the message of you're talking about messaging. So, being, I mean, I had no idea we were gonna go here with this conversation, but I love it because it's so important for people to understand that this is going on. And with talking about the messaging that needs to get out there, what are you doing in your rap career? to make sure your messaging is in tune with what you practice outside of the music industry. Because a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of people are, you know, talking about womanizing and having 15 girls and doing this and spanking with butts and credit cards and things like that. So what are you doing to marry your relationship with your nonprofit ways you're giving back and raising, you know, awareness about this was with your music says. Man, from the day my daughter was born, it was like a, a switch went off in my brain. And it's similar for my son, but on a different level, something, you know, different subject matter, different level. But when my daughter was born, it was like, man, I, how can I, some of the things I might have said from, a, from my personal male perspective, I was taught or I learned, or maybe I even sought growing up in America, the male perspective you know, I'm taught the world revolves around me. Whatever I want, it's on you to give it to me, you know, as a woman. So those, these are things that I, I learned and I was taught, and I thought this was the ways of the world. And then having a daughter, it's, wait a minute, do I want somebody doing my daughter like that? You know, and I didn't, even though I had a sister and I had a mother, I had God sisters, I had people I really cared about. I had people around me who I loved, and I saw being, you know, treated uh, bad and, uh, you know, sexualized by people. I, I saw this with my own eyes, you know, uh, even though I saw that, I was taught that's how the world is. But then as soon as my daughter comes, the the responsibility weighs on me of, I can't say this as a musician and or a rapper or whatever, and then come back to my daughter and say, oh, no, no, I was just trying to sell records. Oh, no, 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 it's just in the song. You know, no, no, it's cool. You know, because, you know, your kids, they learn from what you do more than what you just necessarily say mm -hmm. so I, I don't know and i'm gonna give you a perfect example we did a uh 
my boy T. Ferris, we were working on the album Get Money, Stay True uh, with Atlantic Records. And um, he had an idea to sample a song from Juicy J. They had a, a song uh, by, uh, called Slob on the Knob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to get too vulgar with it, but that's yeah, just. But we know what you mean. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a part on the song where he say, "Let's call the boys, let's run a train." Oh. And my boy T. Ferris had an idea. He called Juicy J, who we were close with. He said, "Hey, I want you to sample this, make a song out of this." He did it. We put Trina on it. We put Young Dro on it, and it was an amazing song. But I just, in good conscience, I can't put this out there, and my daughter hear this. How could I ever explain to my daughter it's cool for anybody to run a train on you? You know, it's cool for to now if you a grown woman and this is something you're choosing to do, okay, that's different. But an impressionable young girl, hey man, it, it, like I said, like I said, if you grown and this is some type of sexual thing that you want to do on your own, I'm not judging you. I don't want to put this messaging out there to my daughter and other young girls who look up to me, who might, however many it is, even if it's just my daughter and my nieces. If that's all the girls that look up to me in the world, then that's cool. I'm a role model for them. And I can't put this out there for them to think that it's ever okay, especially as a young, impressionable young girl. It's not okay for guys to, multiple guys to have sex with you at once and run a train on you. Cause that's basically what the song was about. You know, and uh, it just was, uh, although the song was uh, from a sexual perspective, like in the strip club or something, it was would have been a hit. We just couldn't, uh, I couldn't do it. And my boy was like, nah, man, we're going to we make some money off this. And I'm just like, I can't do it, man. I, I just can't do it. So we ended up not putting the song out. Later on, Juicy J put it out uh, on his own. And it was a hit. It did. It was a hit for him. But it was just, I, I don't know. I can't, it's, you know, so having a daughter and realizing it, it's, it's likewise with a, you know, with a man. Let me say also, every conversation I'm having with my daughter, I'm also having with my son. I had a conversation with my son two days ago. Hey, son, you know, my son is very smart. He's probably smarter than me. Very bright, very intelligent. So he knows a lot of what I already tell him. But still, I have a responsibility to tell it anyways, even if I think he already knows it. So I come to him and I tell him, hey, son, I want you to know something. I know we ain't never had this conversation. But you know, as a man, as a male, you know, we're not supposed to control women, right? You know, we're not, they have their, they're just as equal as us. You know that, right? He's like, yeah, I know that dad, come on, leave me alone. I won't play my video <laughs> game. But you know, I, I gotta have this conversation with you because we have to teach our men this, as, our young men this as well. It's not, you know, a lot of times, like I say, we shine the light on the victim who a lot of times is a, a, a girl, not always, by the way, a lot of these people who are being sexually victimized are males as well. But a lot of times we put the light on the female and as a male, that's how we alleviate the blame and responsibility from ourselves. It's on them, it's how they dress, it's how they act. It's the kind of music they're listening to. So the kind of music I listen to don't mean nothing, but the kind of music they listen to is what means. That's what we do as males a lot of times in our society. Now, and I'm, I'm only saying that because I'm a man and this is what I see. I know this goes on in all genders, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, you know, I'm not trying to whatever, but I, I, this is what I see. So I feel like I got to teach this to my son as well. All the things that I learned about how to treat a woman or the things I want my, 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 my daughter or, to know about how 
a person should treat you that supposedly loves you and is going to be your companion and mate. I got to teach these things to my son too. That this is how you treat somebody. And also this is how someone should treat you as well. You know, cause. So what are some of what, what are some of the things you say to these kids? Cause some parents don't know how to have this conversation. So I want to help them out. How should they be treated? Like what are certain things you say? First, you treat people how you want to be treated. And you know, what really got it for me is I treat a woman how I would want someone to treat my daughter. I treat a woman how I'd want somebody to treat my sister. I treat a woman how some people, how I want people to treat my mother. Now, some people have bad experiences with their mother or their uh, sister. Some people have bad experiences with their child. So they have hangups or situations where they don't have the same love for their mother as I do, you know, but that's what gets it for me. And I know my kids love their mama. And I know my, my kids love their daddy. So this is what I teach them. Man, you treat a, a, a girl the same way you'd want somebody to treat your mama or your sister. You treat a guy the same way you'd want a girl to treat or somebody to treat your brother or your father. That's number one. You know, the golden rule, treat people how you want to be treated. The other things is when you see people get into these type of fights and or, or arguments and things, you know, we realize that a lot of times we feel like I'm the man, I pay the bills. Well, I'm in control. I, what I say goes. Mm. Or vice versa. I see the relationship a lot of times. The woman pay the bills. That's how it goes. Whoever pay the bills, they feel like they're in control a lot of times. You know, but, you know, that's, that's another thing is that it's an equal uh, a partnership in this marriage, you know, or relationship or whatever you're in. You know, it's an equal part. It's, no, it's not a, I'm controlling you or you controlling me. It's an open. A lot of it comes with faith and trust, too. You got to put yourself out there. Faith and trust. I can't have faith and trust and be hiring a private investigator to follow my wife around every day. You know, that ain't, that ain't trust and faith. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Now, hey, if you suspect your significant other doing that, I ain't, hey, do what you got to do. But I'm just saying, like, you got to, faith and trust, you got to have complete faith and trust. Not just partial when it's convenient for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of what it comes down to, just the golden rule and treating people how you want people to treat the people you love. Man, if y'all are just joining us, we are on the Daddy Duty 365 podcast and Paul Wall is dropping knowledge. He's preaching. He's just jewels everywhere. So, <laughs> so we want to switch gears a little bit. We're going to get less deep. And speaking of dropping jewels, you got to talk to us about your grills. I can't tell on the Zoom call, your grills in right now? Or do they, do they actually come out? Those are just diamonds all the time, every day, all day. Wow. Yeah, I see the bling now. It's sparkling. T t what is in your mouth? Can you tell us, describe it to people who are listening and, and how many carrots and how much is it worth? I, I need all the details. <laughs> hey, big shout out to my boy, Johnny Dang. Big shout out to my boy, TV, Johnny. Yep. I got a, what I got here is called honeycomb prong set. Honeycomb prong set. It's a white gold, white diamonds, round diamonds. They're real close to each other. Uh, that's why we call it honeycomb. It's like little honeycombs on your teeth. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Wow. That's a lot in there. Okay. So how much would that cost if I wanted to get it in my mouth? <laughs> about, right around 15000 Oh, okay. That's not, a, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Let's show that close up. There we go. And, uh, <laughs> and you've also kind of created a business out of this as well. You and Johnny Dang, you working together to get other people, a lot of yeah. maybe celebrities or wealthy people or people who just want to be blinged out to get grills in their mouth as well, right? Why yeah. did you get into that business? 
I got into it because I wanted one, and I felt like the cheapest way I could get one is if I worked for the company. So I worked for the company. The only job I could do at the time was promotions. So I do promotions, pass out flyers. And from there, I worked my way up. As openings came, I stepped up to the plate, you know, uh, and I worked my way up to be able to be a, a partner in the company, you know. Uh, so shout out to my boy, Johnny Dang. Uh, wow. But it all started from just, that's the cheapest way I could get one is by making them. So what happens when your kids come to you and say, Dad, I want grills in my mouth too, permanent grills to never take out in my mouth? Hey, what would you say? I'm going to say, okay, it's time, it's time to bring you on to the family business. <laughs> welcome to the family business. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to the family business. But wait a minute. What about, what about when you turn 80 years old and you're like, you know, I don't know if I want these anymore. Like people at the nursing home looking at you funny. <laughs> I mean, by then we're going to have some new grills come out. So, I, you know, I'm going I'm to change them as the times go. I'm, I'm going to be 80 with teeth missing. I'm still going to have grills, though. <laughs> <laughs> So they all gray. I got some gray hair. No, I ain't got all gray hair. I got some, but when it's when I'm 80, I'm gonna have all gray hair. I'm gonna be fat in a rocking chair with a big old set of grills. I'm gonna have tattoos everywhere too. <laughs> so that they're permanent, but they can be surgically removed and replaced. But they are you can't like take them out at night and put them in a tray. Mine you can replace. Mine you can take in and out. I got removable grills. I got like 10 or 15 different sets. So I might I might change them up depending on what I'm wearing. I got some purple amethyst ones. I got some red ruby ones. I got some blue diamonds. I got some yellow diamonds, some green emeralds. I got all type of sapphires in one. I got a I got a bunch of different sets. So, you know, I got some of the yellow gold. I got some of the rose gold. And these, like I said, white gold, white diamonds. So also, that's the easier way you can clean them. The best way to clean them is to take them out and get them clean. Well, oh, okay, sure. see, I'm, I, I like those kind of grills better because I, I interviewed Jimmy the Jeweler recently and his are like permanent. I was like, you can't take them out. I was like, he's like, nope, I don't need to. I don't want to. But so I like the ones where you can take them out depending on how you feel. You want to match an outfit, <laughs> put the yellow ones in. <laughs> hey, hey a, lot of, a lot of people getting their grills permanent and I ain't mad at them. But, you know, being in this grill, I've, I've been selling grills since 1998. So that's 22 years now I've been selling grills. Now, let me say, in 22 years I've been selling grills, I've seen a lot of people with permanent grills get their grills removed. And uh, every single person who's ever had their teeth removed permanently always regretted getting them put in permanently. I've never once had somebody get their teeth removed, and they were still happy that they had them put in permanently. The uh, effect it does to your teeth, Hey man, don't let these people hype you up to thinking that this is the only way you can get a grill is get a permanent grill. And if you don't got a permanent grill, you got a fake grill or something like that. Hey, I mean, I'm just saying, man, these people who got permanent grills, not maybe not all of the people who got them today, but every person I've ever seen with a permanent grill who's got it removed regretted having it done permanently. Wow. Well, you're not what it does to your teeth is it's just not worth it. Okay, that's good to know. Good to know, kids. Listen up. <laughs> and you're not only in the grill business, you rap a lot about slabs. So go ahead, put up the background and explain to people what a slab is. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, so what is a slab? Break it down. Well, you know, there's there's different definitions of a slab. Like if you ask me or you ask little Kiki or you ask somebody who's new on the block, they, we all might give a somewhat different answer. There's like a you know, a traditional H-Town slab, which of course got the wheels we got right there, the Texan wide wheels. It might have a fifth wheel on the back. It might have a, 
a grill. This is a new age slab. This is what we call a new age, new school slab, because it's a new school, new model car, not an old school car that came out. But even then, Lil Kiki always give me slab history lessons. You know, back in the days when they was originally riding slab, they weren't riding in old schools. They were riding in cars that came out that year or came out recently. They're just old school to us now because, you know, the 84 Barrettes at that time wasn't the old school. It was, uh, you know, in, in 90, it wasn't that old. You know what I'm saying? So these are these are things that we look at now as being old school, but the original slab wasn't old school. It was just that model, that style of car. And a lot of times they had the swingers, the Texan wire wheels. Of course, they were a little different back then. They didn't poke out as, as far. They, they were a little bit closer in. You know, also, you know, there's different aspects of it. Me, I got the, uh, the, the red chrome wrap on my car. I got another car that got candy red paint on it so you got to do something to the exterior the body of it you got to put a wrap on it you got to put paint on it some type of candy have it looking good uh you gotta you gotta customize your interior you know you you don't want to just have stock seats unless no, you got no. some badass stock seats like i got in my ct6 but you know <laughs> but but for real though, you, you want to put some type of customization whether it's on the the stripping, the stitching, the piping, any type of, you know, the logo, any of that you want to put on your seats. You want to put some type of speakers in your trunk. You want to have a thing banging and knocking. You know, a lot of times when we, we ride, we want so much bass in our trunk that we hear it rattle. If you don't hear it rattle, then you kind of like, oh, you ain't, you ain't rattling. You ain't and it's not legit. But see, I would be afraid that those little things sticking out the wheels would like run into the car next to me like, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, so. I definitely, I ran into a few, quite a few curbs. Oh. I but, uh, you know, if other cars, man, you know, I, I will say it makes me a very cautious driver because I'm uh, I'm 10 and 2, like. <laughs> don't mess up I'm, my wheels. I'm, yeah, I'm, one, I don't want to tear up somebody else's car and then I got to pay for it. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Also, I don't want nobody to get hurt for sure. And I don't want to mess my car up. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, so I have to. Don't worry, I'm like. <laughs> like you're driving like grandma grilling yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll well, drive it extra slow <laughs> so then i have to ask you your son's almost of driving age you know trying to get that permit practice and i know you love your cars so are you going to allow him to drive or practice in any of your vehicles hey man um i ain't gonna lie i let both my kids drive my car already Oh dang! <laughs> they both, they both just sat in their driver's seat and then turned a couple corners, man. <laughs> nah, but um, you know, as they get older, though, you know, he's almost sixteen. So when he start driving, you know, I'm, man, I'm just playing. I'm just playing with you. But now, nah, but when they when they turn sixteen, though, I mean, he got. I don't think any sixteen first any first time driver should drive a nice vehicle of any type because. You need practice. You don't, you know, it's just, you don't tear it up. So I for sure think that, you know, my son gonna have him, he gonna have him a ride waiting on him, but it might not be that ride. It might be something else. It ain't gonna be something, it ain't gonna be too shabby. It ain't gonna be too shabby. All right, you treat him right. I like that. You treat him right now. Uh, before we go, we have a few other things to, to wrap up because we, we don't wanna take up all your time. We have a TV interview to do. But I do wanna ask you about, you and Lil Kiki have a song out called Soul Trill that you just uh, released. So talk to me about that song, what it was like working with Lil Kiki. I know you guys constantly work together. Yeah, hey, it was great. Of course, he's my my idol, my hero, of course. You know, my favorite rapper of all time. He's always been my favorite rapper of all time. So anytime I work with him, it's a, a fun. It's, it's like a, going to shoot around with, with Jordan or something. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a LeBron. 
whatever. You know, this is what it is to me, for real. So being in the studio, collaborating means a lot, but also having an actual album that's coming out June 6th, uh, the album's called Slab Talk. The, you know, the first, you know, we dropped our first single, Riding Five, and then we just dropped uh, uh, So Trill with Slim Thug. Uh, you know, so to have an actual album come out with Lil Kiki, it's uh, for sure a dream come true, something I've been looking forward to for a long time. That's nice. And then uh, for people that don't know, so what does trill mean? Because a lot of people <laughs> they're like trill, so trill, but that's actually a term that is used a lot in Houston, at least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's got different varied meanings. You know what I'm saying? Some people say it's true and real is the word true and real meet. But it, being trill just really means just being authentic, being, you know, true to who you are. You know what I'm saying? So keeping it real, keeping it, you know, 100, all of those, all of those go into being trill. So it's being authentic to who you are. You know, a lot of that is being coming from Texas. You know, it means Texas real. If you real from Texas, you trill. You know, so it's a a lot of that is a you know the 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 way we're raised in Texas. The the uh, you know just the the different ways that are instilled upon us. You know, what I'm saying of upholding you know the words you being a man of your word and you know just those type of things. Just being a responsible person, being authentic, being true to who you are. You know, what I'm saying that's just all of those. It just means being true. Well, before you go, we need you to answer two questions to keep it trill for us. But <laughs> these questions, the first one is the segment we like to call I love my kids, but because there's always something that you just that you love them. There's that one thing. What is your I love my kids, but moment? Ah, mm. uh, man, I gotta be because I'm I am kind of patient, but I'm at the same time. I lose my patience quick certain sometimes. So, I, man, I'll say, man, get off the phone. I love my kids, but get off the phone, man. Get off them phones, man. Please get off the phone. <laughs> That's so true, especially at their age when they're teenagers. Mine are little, they they young still, so I can be like, nope, you can't use my phone to call your cousin. At your age, I understand. Okay, and the last thing is, what piece of advice would you have given Paul Wall before he had kids? Oh man, that's a that's a good one. I would say maybe before I had kids. I don't know. A lot of these things that I as a parent, I feel now, I knew them in my mind before I had kids, but I didn't feel it in my heart. Mm -hmm. I knew it in my mind, I just didn't feel it in my heart. And it wasn't until I had kids that that switch was turned on in my heart to actually feel it. Uh so I would just say that, you know. I think most important, a lot of us, first-time parents, when you're a first-time parent, you think you know what to do. You think you know, oh, all I got to do is this. Because, you know, as a parent, when you talk to other people who don't have kids, a lot of times they might be judgmental or saying, oh, you should just, all you got to do is this. Why don't you just do, you know, and they don't understand it. It don't necessarily work like that. Because, you know, much like I, I teach my kids, my son, that, you know, you are not allowed to you don't have the authority to control a woman. I also, as a parent, am not there to boss and control my kids. My role, I, well, at least I feel my role is to guide them and help them. And if they do something that's unhealthy, of course I'm gonna control that. But in terms of, I tell you what to do, you do it and don't do it. Shut up, do what I say. I'm not that kind of parent. And a lot of parents think that all they gotta do, maybe they don't say shut up, but I'm gonna tell you what to do and you're gonna do it. And they think, they think their kid's gonna do it because they say do it. And that's not always how it works. Wow. 
Yeah. Great advice. Great conversation. Great insight. Thank you so much, Paul Wall, for joining us. Make sure y'all follow Paul Wall on social media. Make sure you get his new album coming out in June. And the single, Soul Trill, is available right now. Check him out. And again, thank you for all your work you do with all your nonprofit organizations and everything you do to give back to the community. It's definitely a lesson that I know your kids are paying attention to and the country's paying attention to. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much. Love, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody, before you go, we want to thank Paul Wall once again for this amazing interview. And we want to remind you to please subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff on social media about the Daddy Duty 365 podcast. Tell your mama, tell your friends, tell everybody. And also, don't forget, this podcast is brought to you in part by Comcast. Thanks, Comcast.